What is up, everybody? It's episode 321 of Top Rope Nation. Ryan Drosty here with my guy, Jesse Velasquez. No Justin Joint this week. A little bit under the weather, and I got to say, not that surprising, considering, Jesse, I don't know about you, but when I pick my kid up at daycare these days, I see all those alerts on the door, and it's got to be every single possible thing that children can spread amongst themselves. I'm just counting down the days till it hits the Drosty household. I told you guys, I was feeling a little like something might be hitting me soon. I'm so far so good, but I kind of have that foggy feeling to me right now. So hopefully I will not come down with something this weekend and be able to enjoy it. How are you feeling, Jesse? We'll rephrase a famous trademark or a catchphrase from this show. It's not effing good, Ryan. (laughs) Yes. I mean, once winter hits and all these kids are inside, it is tough to stay healthy. So Justin Joint, our thoughts are with you, my friend. Hopefully he'll be back next week. Was that my son's holiday Santa recital for an hour today? I think we dodged some bullets. It didn't seem like people were too too sick. Didn't see any runny noses or a bunch of snot. All I saw were when parents were leaving, kids were bawling their eyes out. And that so I was one of the last parents to leave and I'm just looking at my son over there getting ready to ball. I'm like, "Oh no. No, look away. Look away. <laughs> Had to walk over, give him a hug, walk, walk right back out. So real Sneak fast, though. Yeah you, yeah, you got to in that instance. I don't know how it is. For, actually, we'll go to that. How, how is it for you when you drop your kids off? Uh, it's not bad now, but it was rough the first couple, especially with our youngest when she started daycare. I mean, yet you had to practically run out of there. You know, you had, you had to run like the ultimate warrior down the aisle back in the day to get out of there so that she wouldn't see like, go wash your hands, get out the door, go. Yeah. Great if the music was playing when you were running out the door, too. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Inconspicuous by his absence today, by the way, we do pray for a very quick and speedy recovery for the hangman page of this podcast, Mr. Justin Joint. He's been the unsung hero over the over the course of 2023. He's been putting in tremendous work from a humor and a expertise standpoint my person justin opinion. has really raised his game not that he wasn't always good but he's really raised his game i've been telling him because justin's very hard on himself i'm like justin you've been doing awesome lately so yeah we'll miss him tonight but i think we've got some good stuff on the agenda you guys we are going to talk pro wrestling we've got a little discussion on what's going on with aew and wwe with these tv rights negotiations going on uh what can we what do we know is happening what can we speculate on and maybe looking a little bit to the future and what this could mean most notably for AEW, we're always going to talk about Drew McIntyre, one of the un- unsung heroes of WWE these days and why we think that. We're going to talk about CM Punk and the promo he had face-to-face with Seth Rollins on Raw this week. A little Continental Classic, and then at the end of the show, our main topic is going to be, if you could take anyone from WWE or AEW and flip them, you know, have them go to the other side, to the competition, 
who do we think could use kind of that rejuvenating effect of going into a new promotion? And for that, we're definitely going to want to have our listeners involved. So if you're in the chat, let us know your thoughts as we go. As always, Super Chats are open. That's a great way to support the show. And another great way to support the show is Patreon. And you see those names going across the bottom of all of our wonderful patrons. So much bonus content dropping. Jesse, you just released only for patrons. TRN unplugged a solo show the other day. What was on there? I was on a bender. That <laughs> that being like double coffee day or something. I don't know what was going on with me. It was, was this was, was the Ray Mysterio birthday, if I recall. Mm, yes, that's that's correct. See, I've already forgotten exactly what in the world. I just blacked out and went on, on Monday, if I'm being real. <laughs> so the you were usual... just like out of nowhere. You were like, I'm going to record you guys. Just here we go. And it was a great show. I, I mean, I listened to the whole thing. Yeah, it was usual wrestling Twitter stuff and then went into... Yeah, see, I've already forgot. Now i got to go back and look at notes. But it was, it was a tremendous show, I promise. <laughs> there is a teaser of it up right now on our main feed. You can hear like the first 10 minutes of it. And if you like what you hear, join the Patreon page. We are recording TRN Classics this coming week. Looking back at 1982, 82, Jesse, world class. Yes. December 82, uh, Star Wars. Yeah, that's going to oh. be a fun show. I think we're planning on recording that Tuesday night. That's for patrons. will be an exclusive video stream only for patrons, as we always do. And then the podcast, which I'm guessing is going to go about two hours, that will drop. Uh, we're getting close to 50 episodes of classics behind the paywall over there on Patreon. So check it out. Now, I'll give you the real deal of Holyfield, everybody. It was my Wrestler of the Year criteria was part of it. I had a Q&A that we asked in the Facebook group. So topics that came up were my over and under achievers for 2023, as well as acts that I like that probably others in the wrestling industry or peers or someone in the groups may not. It was a yes. really fun show. Good lesson. Great lesson. So, all right. As we get into it here, Jesse, what's in the glass? Key part. Once again, shout out the Sean Skelton, what's in the glass segment of the show. What do you got tonight? Well, I'm wearing the beer drinking pro wrestling guys shirt, so I don't have much beer on me. I went with what exactly I went with last week. Modest Dream Yard. It is a delicious beer. Were you able to find anything at Happy's from a modest perspective? I was not. They've had their beer before, but they're totally out right now. So I'll keep an eye out for that. Um, solid choice, though. I did read some reviews because I am a beer nerd to that level. Very good stuff. Uh, I was thinking of Justin Joint tonight. I got the old gin and tonic. You know, it's uh, it's the Justin Joint signature when you think you might be getting sick. So I had to go with it. The clear alcohol, as he always says. Is this going to uh, be a Jordan flu game for you today, <laughs> Ryan, on this show? I got to do a new Photoshop of that now, don't I? Because I had the one of me and Kyle with the flu game picture. I got I got to get a version of me and you and me and uh, Justin as well. Throw that up on the screen. Uh, it might be. I mean, I, I'm feeling good right now. I'm feeling pretty good right now. We'll see how it goes. I. Now, I don't know if you're if you're AEW, are you feeling good, Jesse? Because there's these rumors out there that Warner Brothers Discovery could be in on WWE television rights. Now, the NBA TV rights negotiations are going on right now, and that's kind of delaying things, as I understand it, uh, you know, for a word actually getting out there on what's going to happen with WWE. And if Warner really is in, is is this all conjecture? Is this 
you know, bluffing to get AEW to to accept a lower amount maybe with their renewal with Warner Brothers Discovery. Who knows? I think there's probably the amount of people who really know what's going on here is probably less than 10. So I don't have, I mean, I've been reaching out to some people that would know who are connected in the television industry. I mean, and they're basically telling me that nobody really knows. Like there's something to it. Uh, You know, WWE is like a legacy brand. Uh, I, I was talking with this person and I said, you know, it's interesting that, when it comes to the money paid for television, just solely those t- those television ratings, Warner is getting way more bang for their buck than you know WWE is with with Universal and Fox right now. Because I mean, yeah, they get less viewership, but their television contract is way way less. And you know, if you did average dollars per viewer, AEW is by far the better buy right now. I mean, they rank usually top five on cable every single Wednesday night. But at the same time, as I said, WWE is this. This legacy brand, you would want, you know, the cross promotion with a brand like WWE. So you can understand why they might want to get involved. Of course, there's the whole Max situation and what that could mean maybe for the network here in the States in a few years if they made that agreement too. So there's a lot of moving parts. I think we've all kind of assumed that AEW would renew with Warner and everything we've heard is that they have been very happy with everything AEW has done for them, Jesse. So this kind of came out of left field. I've I've heard so many. I've heard people say that a certain individual might have leaked this to get under the skin of his former employer. I've also heard that nobody really knows what's going on. But I think for those of us who really enjoy AEW, it's a little scary because you know we want this company to continue. And if WWE takes over their home network, what's that mean for them? Give me your general thoughts before I talk anymore on this, Jesse. The scary thing is that WWE is a more known commodity, and that mm-hmm. could be what Warner Brothers is looking for. So, and then there, I don't know how those, I'll get back to that actually at the end. So with AEW, suppose this were to happen, like what is available for them? Like Lifetime <laughs> USA? I, 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 I don't know because that eliminates TNT, TBS, and we know that, I believe, is it SmackDown that's going to U.S.? Yeah, SmackDown's going yes, to USA. Yep. NXT is going to CW. It's just really mm-hmm. odd that the WWE now would be cornering the market with all three shows being on separate networks. Yeah, and, you know, there's been the monopolistic lawsuits out there, you know, and this wouldn't do much for them in that regard. That wouldn't be great. I mean, it's not like they could keep, they could have both of them together you know it's not like it could happen i i wouldn't put money on that but it's not like they can't do that um i mean what would you think of, i've i've seen stuff floated about like they move aw to discovery or something like that i mean could i be worse yeah it could be worse we were actually talking about ring of honor when they were on not you and i but as myself and someone else them being on Saturday nights at 11 o'clock at night, almost in the ECW slot, and just how Sinclair treated them like garbage. Mm-hmm. And that's that's not what they're going to get CW with NXT and vice versa. I, I, Your guess is as good as mine where AEW would land. And they were number one last night on cable, yeah. which was really cool to see. I know that their 18 to 49s were up, and then... But their overall viewership number was the same. So how truly happy Warner Brothers is with AEW is between them and Tony Khan. 
and if you know you start looking if you guys aren't into the business side of wrestling there's a bunch of shows we could recommend of course wrestlenomics is always really good um our friend andrew zarian over at met man he always has some pretty good coverage of what's going on in the television industry and i mean there's not that many company i i think it's like six basically about six companies own almost all the cable networks so there's not you know you know there's hundreds of channels but a lot of them are owned by the same people so it doesn't leave you a ton of options unless you go down like you know jesse was alluding lifetime or something like that you know you got disney you got viacom you got nbc universal uh warner brothers of course i mean there's again there's not that many so it would be interesting how this could potentially be handled uh, moving forward. And again, there's just there's not that much information out there, but we wanted to talk about it because, you know, we saw another wrestling company that was really, really big at one point in time. And when they had television pulled from them, that was it. So I don't you would think with AEW, they have such a large audience and it is large i mean again you just said number one on cable that you would think that that would be a draw somewhere that someone would pick them up should this happen i hope it doesn't happen wwe's got a lot of options but again you could understand why warner would be interested for sure legacy brand recognizable name and attempting to reattach the monopoly phrase or the the monopoly game to what they've been doing for years when AEW came in four years ago and just made a huge splash and livened everything up for the pro wrestling industry and made it tremendous and by the way i see the tnt and tbs straps what would they become if they moved to a different network yeah we could change that into the lifetime championship on the on the women's side of things and then on the men's side let's go the discovery championship of the world <laughs> How weird would that yeah. be? Oh man, yeah. I see Zeus in the chat floating this. Yeah. I don't know. It's there's a lot of moving pieces, and I don't think we really are gonna know until the NBA contracts are settled, because that's gonna be so much money, you know. And so once that finally gets settled, then we'll probably hear more on the wrestling. Again, I don't think anybody really knows fully what's going on. There's been stuff floated out there on Twitter X, of course, by by different people, but I think a lot of it is is guessing at this point in time. Like I think there's definitely truth to Warner being involved you know from the people that i've spoken to but like how deep are they actually into it and then jesse the other thing is that we've heard it rumored that they have an ownership stake in aew and you know i I, you know i've heard that they at least invested some money at the start maybe in aew so i mean we don't know exactly what has happened there but how does that affect things too there's so little that we know right now that it's hard to have much of a conversation on it but it's it's a hot news item this is what everyone's talking about on social media right now and and what this means for the future of the industry and i don't think espn would have a stake in this game because of monday night football being on espn and espn too from Mm -hmm. september until early january otherwise why wouldn't they just try to take a chance on it because they do have a little bit of coverage on their main website and have a couple of writers there too i think it was wasn't there a story out there that wwe would be open to moving nights for raw so i mean if, if they're open to that they could be in that's quite possible. And you you also mentioned the the basketball, the NBA, with them being on TNT and TBS. The NHL has moved to TNT, by the way. They are mostly on, I believe, Thursday nights. I can't 100% remember. So they probably have equal ratings to what AEW is producing in the TNT and the TBS time slots or the for that. Yeah, network. I think AEW, at least demo-wise, pretty consistently tops the NHL. Um, viewership wise, probably, yeah, 
maybe not quite so I haven't looked lately, but I know AEW, I think they usually do better in the demos because this came up at the uh, I think it was the full gear press scrum. Maybe it was Wrestle Dream. Someone brought that up to Tony and he seemed to get offended. He's like, no, no, we beat hockey or something like that. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And Zeus mentioned in the chat that at the upfronts back in the spring, AEW was mentioned as one of these pillars. And that's true because, you know, they were launching Collision and that was a big part of their presentation. Um, you know, so who knows when, when, when a brand like WWE opens up, people are going to take a swing and we'll see what happens. <laughs> We'll see what happens. Yeah, because because Vice obviously isn't going to be up for anything. They're kind of going downhill. Didn't they go? Did they go bankrupt? I'm not sure. It's yeah, that it seems familiar. It seems familiar. I'm a positive on that, though. They have Dark Side of the Ring, and I want to yeah. say they had an MLW deal for a second. And then, mm-hmm. I mean, nobody hears anything about that anymore. So there you go. There is a bankruptcy in progress. Yeah, I mean, you guys just Google who owns the networks and you'll see a big chart come up and you'll see, again, there's not that many corporations who are in charge. And so if you get WWE in that Time Warner, you know, ecosphere, then it's going to be a hard, hard pill to swallow for AEW unless they want to keep them around. And, you know, that would make WWE look a lot better on that argument that they're a monopoly, you know, I know, as we said. I thought about a great marriage, by the way, seeing Paramount Plus in there. What about MTV trying to bring back some pro wrestling? I thought about that when I was looking at this earlier as like a possible option, you know, over there on Viacom, the CBS family. You got MTV, what's Comedy Central, mm-hmm. VH1. Uh, is Spike T- TV still a thing? I don't, <laughs> I don't believe so. I don't even I know. Have... They used to be in there. Yeah, because we have Sling. And I don't yeah. recall seeing any. I don't recall seeing any Spike TV. Yeah. So, and then there's like the streaming option, of course, like their own streaming service. They run out of options, but they they need the television contract because they need that profitability. So, uh, yeah, it looks like Vice filed for Chapter Eleven in mid-May, so that's in process, according to our chat. Gosh. Yeah, Spike is Paramount Network now. I don't. I don't even know anymore. You know, I got my YouTube TV, and I never channel surf anymore. So I'm like, you know, the last time I was watching Spike TV, it was like Bar Rescue back in the day, <laughs> just like <laughs> marathons on a Sunday as I laid on the couch from recovering from Saturday night. <laughs> yeah, there isn't. Gosh, and with all the money that they're ponying up for these series, for example, not just pro wrestling, but everywhere else, and with cable actually dying. You have to wonder, too, with all the streaming services, the YouTubes and the Hulus and all, all that stuff, just the the distribution. And is there an incentive, not just for the upfront money, but do they get like a little bit of a kickback if they hit specific numbers or not? Hmm. Well, yeah, that'd be interesting to know. I'd Yeah, we'll see. Hopefully, I mean, 2024 is going to be a huge year in the wrestling business with all these television contracts coming due and you know, the future of AEW for sure. But WWE, of course, they're going to be fine either way. They're going to end up somewhere. But for AEW, this is really going to be a huge turning point year for them. So here we go. Uh, Let's get into WWE a little bit before we hit AEW, Jesse. So we've talked a lot about punk on this program over the last couple of weeks. And I know in our text thread with Justin, we've really been going back and forth on this one because I think all of us are pretty negative on where it is so far just that punk has been fairly just 
boring. I mean, he's playing nice. The character on TV, y'all shucks. I'm just so happy to be here. It does nothing for me. I mean, I suppose if you only watch WWE, it's fun because you haven't seen him in for so long. But, you know, if you watch the AEW run, I don't know how this really does anything for you. It was, as we talked about on the show, Survivor Series, it was fun to see him come out. But then how it was going to play after that? And so far, it's played very boring. Now, you know, he did the typical thing he's been doing, you know, making his contract decision on Raw. And it's basically the same promo we've seen since he came back. And it was livened up by Seth Rollins, who came out and had the face-to-face with him. And I think I texted you guys, or I might have put it in the group, that, man, I, you know, I didn't think I'd see the day where Seth Rollins outshined CM Punk on the mic. But he certainly did on Monday night. Like to me, he saved that segment. He's the one that made it interesting. And it was a good segment once Rollins came out. I, I don't think there was any any doubt whatsoever that Punk was going to sign with Raw. Sign with Raw. You know, them apparently the brand split is a hard split again, and they're really battling over these talents. I don't know who was possibly buys that, but he signs with Raw, which was obvious that this was going to happen because they teased the Rollins stuff. But yeah, I mean, what do you think of the segment, Jesse? I did say that CM Punk and Cleveland don't get along. That's one that's definite because he just seems to go belly up there. It, it for it, on on his side of things, he's still just stuck in neutrals, these facial tics, and it almost looked like it's tongue in cheek. Happy, very happy that he's collecting a paycheck. I I think thus far, so he's not phoning it in, but he's definitely not putting in any type of A minus B plus performance on his side of things. It's like C plus. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I I just think whatever they're either scripting for him, even though somebody there's quite a few people out there that said there hasn't been a script for him. It hasn't been good to begin. And I have been higher on Seth Rollins and probably everybody in the Facebook group because I think ever since he took over the world championship, he's lost a lot of the cackle. He's yes. still wearing the goofy stuff to the ring. But his his delivery and his promos have been much better in the Shinsuke Nakamura feud and the Drew McIntyre feud. And now here. And it looked like a callback to... And who knows if there's any rhyme or reason or truth to this the hangman page promo from a year and a half ago right before double or nothing cutting punk down and saying the locker room doesn't want you here it wasn't full word for word but it was extremely similar i don't know if i'd go that far but to see people uh, some people online saying this is one of the best things since sliced bread david lagreca saying this is the best promo he's seen this year and this guy is the number one rated podcast in the world for pro wrestling. I'm surprised Bully Ray did not cut him down immediately on the spot for that. I actually did see a really good Bully Ray quote. And when it came to CM Punk about a day or two ago, I'll pull it up. But Ryan, if you want to add something to what's been going on with this Punk Rollins thing, go. Yeah, it's laughable. I don't know how anyone could say it was a promo of the year. It wasn't even Punk's best promo of the year. Not even close. I think you said this on... On Unplugged, Jesse, but like when he came back, you know, that was a much, much when he when he hinted at the stuff with the Bucks, you know, and one Bill Phil and all that. That was that was a way better promo. <laughs> this is not even close to his best promo of, of the year just for him, let alone the entire industry. So I don't know what LaGreca was thinking with that. I got it here from Bully Ray, by the way. And I know a lot of people target him as this just out of touch former pro wrestler. 
I think he nailed this one here. He said, when Punk says I'm home, sounds like a crock of shit to me. You can't call someplace home that you've gone on record to say caused you mental and physical harm. And that's something that you and I, Ryan, have been saying since day one. Justin as well. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so on the nose for being total bullshit that like I can't believe they would really go forward with this because anyone who follows the industry closely at all knows what BS that is. And so we've we've all speculated this has to be going into a heel turn. And I think that would be captivating if he just came out and bashed WWE crowds and said a lot of the stuff that he really feels. That's always the best heel work is when people say stuff that they actually believe. And, you know, Punk could just go into, you guys bought all that hook, line, and sinker, and, you know, you guys are just a bunch of marks who clap when they want you to clap, and they wanted you to clap for me, so you clapped, and I said the most cheesy stuff I could possibly ever say, and you ate that stuff up like I was your savior, you know, that kind of stuff. That's what they need to do, because you, this cannot last long. You know, Zeus point out in, the, in our chat here about the incessant baby face thing that they tried to do with Cody and AEW and it didn't work. I just feel like they can't possibly be this dumb. Like they have to know that this doesn't have legs. The crowd's ex- still excited to see him. He hasn't even wrestled yet. You know, he's going to be doing these house show matches. You know, I mean, Punk has had a hard time staying healthy the last couple of years. They must not be worried about that. He's going to be working some big live events and, you know, he's going to be at the garden. He's going to be in uh, Los Angeles, I believe working dom mysterio who had that on their bingo card that's that's what you're gonna get at the house shows but uh no i mean it'll last for a little while because this crowd does seem to be very as we've talked about very wwe isolated they don't really seem to care about what happens outside of the universe you know these jokes that punk has told and that they continue to push on their social media like it was some big mic drop moment with the punching thing in the back that he said to Owens, oh, we can't have a guy around here that punches out someone in the back. That died live, Jesse. They didn't respond to that at all. I'm, I'm sure a lot of the people knew what he was talking about. It was tribute for the troops and all that, but still, that wasn't like the majority of the audience there. So, yeah, I, I don't I don't know. I don't know how long this has. I, I, don't, I don't imagine it can go on too long, and I, I would think eventually they'll turn him. You would think they would want the crowd behind Seth. We'll see. It was easily his best line in the SmackDown promo too. And it went over yeah. every single person's head there. I was just like, wow. The, you he really don't up to it, pay built attention. it and built it and built it too. And it just died. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe WWE Gareth was in the crowd with a mic, with a megaphone, just yelling <laughs> at people. Don't respond to that. Speaking of bad takes. Yeah. Something along those lines. I think you set the table brilliantly, Ryan. I think Phil Brooks is a lot smarter than we give him credit for. And I think he's going to like let this milk until maybe we'll go the first Raw of the year. And then he'll he'll flip the dime and just say, you marks bought everything that I've said. I, I have I have faith in Phil Brooks. I yeah. don't. I have a little more faith in WWE than I used to. So I'm going to let this slow burn play out. It's just... It's a super slow start for him, and it's not, I guess, well, I guess it is kind of like him. With, with the AEW, it was a little bit slow start those first couple of weeks, and then he wrestled Darby, and then he went in to wrestle a lot of young guys in in the promotion before really getting ramped up after right after the Eddie Kingston feud. Yeah, I mean, look, when it comes down to it, Anyone who's listened to this show for a long time knows we're all punk fans. We've all said many times, wrestling's better when he's involved. 
We have our issues getting excited for this run because of punk and the real life WWE heat that's existed for a decade. And for us to feel like it's not just a total cash grab that his heart's not actually in at all. <laughs> but he's a great performer and he's he if he is given the opportunity, he will turn it around. He is one of the best guys on the mic of the last generation. So far, he hasn't shown that to me. I know some of the audience is eating this stuff up. I just don't know how. This is not this is not the punk that I want. I'm sure we'll get it eventually. And so, yeah, like you said, I I have faith in them to get there. But right now, you know, when he first came back, it was like, all right, I'm not going to miss Raw. I got to see what they do. And we joked on the show, oh, shit, I got to watch Monday Night Raw now. I don't feel the pull to tune in at all anymore for punk. Just based on what they're doing right now, it's just not captivating television to me. You know, maybe I'm the wrong demographic these days. I've been watching this business too long and that kind of programming doesn't work on me. I don't know. But as of right now, it's it's hard to get excited. Which actually reminds me, I'm going to pull this tweet up. But yeah, I think we've been really deconditioned and jaded by Phil Brooks and or no, not by Phil Brooks, by the WWE and just what they've done in the past. So here here was my very cryptic tweet, tweet where I said, ever been so jaded that you see people extremely excited about the future of something, and you say to yourself, self, if they only knew how these stories are likely to end. Yes. I don't even have the energy to say, I told you so, when they find out the hard way. So there are still people that will be fed something and they'll like it no matter what it is because it comes from the stat source exactly. I, it, it's really, really strange how human minds work and everybody's different with their opinions and what they like. Yeah, I I really want this to work out for him. Um, and uh, again, he's got obviously a great mind for the business. It, there's all these reports out there that he basically wants Shawn Michaels' job long-term with NXT and he's been hanging around at NXT. He's been offering advice and stuff. This is the, just to refresh your memory, you guys, this is the same thing that happened two years ago in AEW. You know, everybody was excited to see him. All the people that grew up watching him were taking pictures with him backstage. We had the bucks and him posing backstage, him and Kenny backstage. Everything was great for the first year. And I've seen some of these WWE Stan accounts out there just, oh, look at this. AEW couldn't have this harmony in their life. Like, what are you talking about? Did you watch the first year he was in? Everything was rosy and fine. And all the, the heat happened much, much later. I really hope for him that he is at peace with this and that he can grow into this long career and offer advice. Because, again, he has a great mind for the business and everybody could benefit from him giving them their advice. I hope it doesn't blow up like it did in AEW and that he can actually, you know, mentor these talents long-term like it appears he wants to do. And like he wanted to do an AEW, you know, that was one of the things that set him off about when he was going after Hangman because he had read this quote where Hangman said something about not taking advice at some point in time and that he really harped on that in multiple interviews. Why wouldn't you take advice from the legends, you know? So he's been on this kick for a while that he wants to mentor people, and I hope it works out for him. You hear a little bit here and there, though, from insiders that 
that talent back there, switching a little bit of gears here, that they don't listen to Arn Anderson, Dean Malenko, Jerry Lynn, and the likes either. So there could be some small truths there. And I think mm-hmm. if Punk would hypothetically take over NXT, he probably wouldn't be wrestling anymore. So maybe the kids would be more apt to listen to him and he doesn't have to interject himself into a storyline. One last thing, and I see this in the corner here. Well, if the WWE crowds had parents that were similar to the Ryan Drossies and the Justin Joints of the world, then the younger kids would get exposed to AEW and know what life exists outside of wrestling life exists outside of that bubble. So more television exposure, the better in this case. I mean, if he was able to parlay this and do that NXT job, that is so many years down the road. Sean's not, he's in his 50s still. I mean, he's going to be around. He has no inclination to retire anytime soon from what we've heard. So this is a this is him trying to set up a long-term job that is probably over a decade into the future, to be honest with you. So, you know, we'll see. Now, uh, Drew McIntyre, now Justin Joint here on the pod has talked about how he is very anti-WWE. He doesn't want to tune in unless he absolutely has to. But he was blown away by Drew McIntyre on Monday night. We we were texting about this during the show Monday night. And I, I said this on the show recently, too, that he is by far the best thing on WWE right now. This turn they've done with McIntyre. You agree? Who would have thought, I'm being a little bit sarcastic here, that you're the performers you're most interested in the WWE are heels? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that's the only people they go in with, right? For it really now, is. It seems like the babe, the dying baby face in, in the WWE. I mean, you got Cody, but they haven't gone full in on him yet. Rollins is the only one with a title that's a face in the promotion. So maybe, maybe Drew saw something in that. And what does it say when the crowd more so cheered for CM Punk than Seth, the baby face they've been building up for months and months and months? And they, that crowd was way more behind Punk. I know he's the new name and everything. But if you've read anything, you do know what Punk, what uh, Rollins said is true about him saying all these anti-WWE things. And it, that crowd was totally with Punk. So that speaks to the babyface problem as well. You know, if they if they brought in any top babyface from WCW back in the day and they put him in the ring with one of their babyface champions, that WWF crowd would not go with the WCW. I don't care who it is. Would, would they? I guess there's the Hogan example, but it's Hulk Hogan. Um, with the rock, but outside of that, like it's, it's hard to imagine them going against their homegrown babyface world champions. And you know, that wasn't the champion, but it was the rock. So I think other than Cody Rhodes, even though they really go nuts for his theme music too, is that Seth Rollins's theme music and chanting to it is much more alluring to that crowd than what he actually says and what he actually does in the ring. And that is a scary proposition because said it before, I'll say it again, I truly believe Seth Rollins in ring is one of the better performers worldwide. I wouldn't say top 10 anymore, but that's partially because of the environment that he's in. They don't preach the in-ring product, but if you were to move him outside that bubble, he could definitely go back to those Tyler Black mm. days. So for them to for them to turn on him a little bit and come back to CM Punk and embracing him over Rollins in that promo when they were speaking truths, that's a little bit alarming to me. Yeah, I think we'll be talking about Mr. Tyler Black here momentarily. Um, 
Jesse, Dynamite was an awesome show last night. What did you think of the continuation of the Continental Classic? We got Moxley and Swerve in the main event. Did it deliver for you? Yes, it most certainly did. I did see a little bit of scuttle there as well. And here's what I have to say about that with Moxley winning the match. And they say they're stopping Swerve's momentum. Mm. If I see this correctly, because they've been doing a really good job, I think, of painting the pictures on both sides of the fence with the blue and the gold league. I Swerve is probably going to defeat Roosh. I th- it's not going to matter then who's going to win the Jay White Mox match because it'll be a Swerve White match or a Swerve Moxley match or a three-way, one way. I don't know mm-hmm. how what the tiebreakers are. I think Swerve gets his revenge. I think he moves on to the championship and he had just cut a backstage promo about how he says that losses have fueled him and that he's almost been elevated more by a loss than he has a win. So he's hurting like hell right now, but he's fueled and he's ready and Roosh is going to feel it. So here, yeah, I, I think the main event was played perfectly. It was a nice roll-up sneak attack with a few minutes left to go in the match. Good back and forth between Moxley and his favorite Lucha Underground character, Killshot. A lot, lot of fun stuff. Yeah, I, I had no problem with it. I don't think it, you know, people are live too much in the moment. It doesn't it doesn't kill his momentum. I think we've always been destined, it seems like, for a finals of uh, Moxley and Strickland in two weeks here when they do the semifinals to determine the finals at World's End. But the finals are their bracket. And that was my first thought afterwards is like, oh, OK, yep, that's going to be the finals. Swerve will get the win back and then I'll move on. I mean, if if you want Swerve to be the victor in the tournament, like we've talked about, and if you want him to be in the or at least be in that match at World's End, you couldn't believe that he was going to get two wins over Moxley. And, and Moxley seemed like the most likely person for him to face in, in the semifinals. So. I think I actually would have picked him to lose this match going in. And and that's what we got. I think it was fine. You know, they really sold on commentary afterwards that Moxley, like Taz kept saying he had his tights and, and that uh, Swerve actually got his shoulder up and they really harping on that to try to protect him a little bit. But uh, Hey man, I'll look forward to the, to the semis in, in two weeks to see that. So I, I thought it was well done. Yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of fun when those finals come up. Shout out to Curtis Brooks. Cause that, that hits heart. That's it hits home with me with RVD being instantly over with the Fed crowd when he debuted because 1998 Rob Van Dam is maybe my all-time favorite incarnation of a pro wrestler, and I was one of those folks at home that was cheering my lungs out for the guy. So the, the, <laughs> the crowd can definitely... When, when, when talent is thrown on a screen, they definitely know it, and it may take a little bit of time, but in RVD's case as well, you can just gravitate towards it and know that this person is special. Yeah. You know, one of the only down parts I thought of the show last night on Dynamite was the deal with Omega and Jericho going back and forth with Big Bill and Ricky Starks. I don't know about you. I thought Omega and Jericho were off in that segment. I, it was not... You could tell it wasn't totally scripted too. Like you could see almost see like Starks and his gears like kind of turning to have a comeback there. And he really had the fire lit under him at the end and he went after him and he shined, I thought, at the very end. But you know, in setting up their tag title match for World's End, I thought that I don't know, man. I, I keep I've said it on the show for weeks now. This this Omega Jericho thing needs to end. <laughs> I mean, I guess they're probably doing it because they don't have anything else for Omega right now, anyways. 
but I just, it just seems like a waste to me. What about you? Yeah. Omega just turned 40 in October, and I they had said that he had been propositioned to join this Continental Classic, and who knows if he turned it down or what, but it's a shame that they won that match over the Young Bucks back at full gear because we all said, let's get Kenny Omega in this thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, and especially after last night's promo, no one can defend Chris Jericho anymore. I'm talking to a couple people in particular. No one can defend Chris Jericho anymore. It's almost 2024. I think that this age of pro wrestling has, it's starting to pass him by, not just in ring, but also on a microphone and just where society is as well. And just coming up with your promo stuff because he almost reverted back to like 2000 and 2001 Y2J last night when with with the way that he was addressing the crowd and the way he was addressing Ricky Starks and Big Bill with just mm-hmm. a lot of that type of humor that Vince would probably appreciate. And it went yeah. over everyone's head. A lot of people online were saying it was horrible, very cringeworthy. So it's the time for them to split and it's time for Ricky Starks and Big Bill to just move on after this is over and hold this title for a few more months longer just until a specific tag contender emerges. I sure hope so. I I hope they don't do a title switch, man. That would be, oh man, I might cry on our review the next morning. That will be, that would be bad. That would be real bad. Um, Yeah. All right. So we're 40 minutes in Jesse. So we we could talk a lot more about dynamite, but we want to get to our topic at hand, the main topic here. So you mentioned Seth Rollins, Tyler Black. And, uh, you know, we're talking about if you could switch some of these people and I'm trying to look at it somewhat realistically, like I didn't include MJF because there's reports out there that he is probably re-signed with AEW. So if he were to jump, it would be years down the line. Now I didn't I didn't check on every name on this list, um, but I know a few of them that I'm going to mention are, you know, feasible in the next year or two. So I think we'll just start right there. And I, I, I know he's probably on your list, but I think for 2024, Seth Rollins jumping to AEW, bringing back Tyler Black would be one of the coolest moves we could see in the business. I don't care what you think of Seth Rollins as a performer. If we got back to the Tyler Black days and he could have all these fresh matches in AEW, I know everyone thinks that he's the loyal soldier and he would never leave. There are plenty of people who left that we didn't think would ever leave. Look at Edge. Look at CM Punk returning to WWE. It is definitely not impossible. At the end of the day, money talks. And if they can outbid WWE, you know, we still don't know. The McIntyre stuff's going on in the background right now, too. We don't know what these new contracts are going to look like with TKO. And the cons have a lot of money. And if they feel like they've lost all the hype, why not go all in on this guy? Give him a, you know, a really good, speaking of all in, you know, like what if they could get him at all in in a big match with someone like a Will Ospreay, you know, or a Kenny Omega or something be unbelievable every i don't care what you if how much you have bashed seth rollins in the last couple of years i don't know how you would be excited for that match to see him back as tyler black to see this guy work like he did you know years ago before he got into the wwe tropes i'd be game what about you 
That's another thing that you are rooting for Warner Brothers to re-sign AEW for, is you get magic like this, not just a Seth Rollins slash Tyler Black moving to AEW, which I would be in favor for. And this is also real quick. This is part one of two. We're going to really dive into this in about a month, I think's time when we go into some trade scenarios. So be on the lookout for that much more expanded when Justin's with us. Yeah. I, I think Seth would fit the mold quite well in spite of the fact that that roster is bloated. And at the same time, though, you can also sense somebody else can can sign over there, too. But the prospects of having a Tyler Black in, this is where WWE loyalty may come into play, too. You got to think that he's still young enough. He's close to 40, but he's still in the 30s to where maybe he can bring an audience with him from the WWE to AEW. Yeah. And along those lines... You almost would think, and we we have heard that their contracts basically align here, that if he was moving, you'd get Becky too. Like it would be a package deal, you would think. And when I look at these two, I don't want to say that there's nothing left for Rollins in WWE. He's been there a long time. You know, he's been on, on the main roster for over a decade now. That's a long time. Talk about the Jake Roberts rule and moving on. We've said this many times on the pod. And he's well past that. I think if you were looking at him and Becky, there's more so for Becky, she has nothing left to do. Like she Rollins, yeah, there's some stuff he could do still that could be fresh. He's been around a long time, but like you can make the argument he hasn't done it all yet versus like really what is there left for Becky to do there? I think, you know, for her, it really it kind of is time to move on. You know, they got this next generation of women coming up that they're, you know, pushing to the moon and she's still a huge star and everything, but she's not as big as she was four years ago, obviously. And she would make a huge impact in that women's division in AEW. So I think if you could get that combo to jump, that would be massive. You know, I don't want to say like an NWO type moment, but it would be, I think they would bring a good crowd with them. I mean, more so, definitely more so than uh, Adam Cole did. Um, probably more than Brian too, because you got two of them out there, and they've been big stars on TV recently. You know, Brian had been the Planet's Champion thing and stuff, but he had also been doing some pretty insignificant matches. You know, so I mean, I think the tandem of them coming over would be gigantic. I mean, it's one of the biggest things that they could possibly do. AEW. She won the first women's WrestleMania main event in the company's history. Yeah. There really is minimal for her to do. She could main event again this year with Rhea Ripley. But on the other hand, she likely won't because the one thing Seth hasn't done, technically, is main event a WrestleMania. And that's looking a little bit likely like that's going to happen here mm-hmm. in early April for night one. So maybe once those boxes are checked... It could be time to switch sides, and that's healthy. I think that's what this—that's what this wrestling audience and sports entertainment audience needs to accept. Because once people leave, for it could be financial reasons to set up their family, creative reasons, because again, you just alluded to it, there could be nothing left for them to do. There's great news. You have free agents coming from elsewhere, new characters that you haven't seen in your universe because you've been 
strictly having your eyes glued to World Wrestling Entertainment's content that they come in, they catch your eye. You're a fan of them now. I mean, this is this has been this has been most of the history of the wrestling business is that you move around like the territory days, then WWF and WCW. This idea that you stay with one company for 20 years is not particularly healthy. It's not conducive to producing compelling television. You should want that movement. You should you should want this is what I I don't understand. And it makes me want to just not get on social media is you know, inevitably you see these people making in there, they show up in the comments on our shows too, and the video clips we post and the shorts and everything that like they'll make fun of AEW and all oh, Vince is going to buy him out. Vince is going to be on Warner and in, and, and uh, WWE is going to buy him out or Vince would never allow this to happen. And so, and so, and triple H is the greatest booker ever. It's just like, you guys are dopes. You should want two comp. I guarantee you every wrestler you're cheering wants two companies to exist because it makes them more money. You don't want a monopoly. Like, do you want to go back to the pre-2019 pro wrestling era? Dude, I'm telling you right now, and I know our listeners don't want to hear this, but if for some reason, WWE goes to Warner and it spelled the end of AEW, which I don't think is going to happen because I do think they do good enough viewership. But if it did, I would have a hard time continuing this podcast. I, I do not want to talk solely about WWE ever again. I want to have options. I want to be able to talk to uh, AEW. And I know there's other companies out there, but like two large North American companies is what is optimal. And you should want the movement back and forth. It keeps it so much more exciting. And those rosters are getting so massive that I would love for a third to walk in there and maybe not from an ECW content perspective, but just from a eyes on the product standpoint that you get some of that talent moving over there. They get a TV deal. And yeah. now you have two and three quarters large promotions where a lot there's a lot more exposure going on. So let's just say a TNA is that third promotion. Their top person is there for three years. They're young enough and okay. Now they go and sign with WWE and they become a household name there. I see another corner chat here. Look at ROH when WWE was a monopoly. It was so big for CM Punk to come in in 2006 to that promotion that mm -hmm. he ruffled the feathers. He wasn't part of that WWE umbrella. He was completely different, but Paul Heyman saw it because he's very creative. If that's ECW, ROH just kind of being similar in terms of stature. Brian Danielson coming over in 2009, he didn't fit what WWE wanted, but because they had monopolized everything that was so... They, they had monopolized everything. It's that ROH was like this really, really big fish in the smallest pond ever, and they just took them because they were the best that they had. So, yeah, we don't want that anymore. That would be awful. Yeah. So, yeah, mid-2021, mid when Punk came into AEW, and then Danielson, and then Cole, and they had all that buzz... And they were pretty consistently for a little while doing over a million viewers. And that was a huge bump. Now, eventually kind of died off. But I do think that Rollins, Tyler Black, and Rebecca Quinn jumping to AEW would do the same thing. Absolutely, I think it would. It would create a lot of buzz in the industry. So though, they're tops on my list as far as WWE talent to jump to AEW. And I I don't know. I'll, I'll let you go next, and then I'll, I'll go next the next time. Who else would you have moving from WWE to AEW? See, this one's a lot harder for me. And then once mm -hmm. we, again, in about a month, when we get into the trade stuff, 
I think the key for the WWE is looking to get younger. So they got to really sign away the AEW talents that are under 30. I think that's going to be super important. You can let those talents that are in their high 30s, low to mid 40s go because they've been overexposed on television. So if I were a WWE talent looking to move to AEW that's been a little bit underutilized, it's not as large of a name, Pete Dunne, I think he could turn into Zack Sabre Jr. over there. Mm -hmm. And the crowd would appreciate them. Chad Gable. Brian Danielson loves him. I think that's another sign. I think that'd be another great person. uh, To Let's go a little bit on the larger scale of things. Either either or or both Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. I think going back to their Ring of Honor roots would be... It'd be a pretty sweet kind of move for them, especially if Sammy is not going to be winning a world championship at all during this duration of his contract. I don't think Kevin will ever again. He got his main event at WrestleMania. He got to live pretty much every child's dream from the late 90s and wrestled Stone Cold Steve Austin. So those are just examples of some of the names. Yeah, I had KO on my list. And we we know KO was one of those guys who recently... What, a couple years ago, re-signed? According to Fightful, he's under contract through 2024. So it's not like it's that far off. I don't know if he signed a three-year deal or what it was. I can't remember at the at the time. I didn't look it up. But he's not like four or five years into the future. So it, it's something that could potentially happen. Um, another name that I thought of, and I'll, I'll get your take on this, because his contract also expires next summer in WWE, is uh, Ricochet. And Ricochet is a guy who is... You know, coming into WWE, I was super high on the potential for him, and he very quickly got cemented into that mid card level, and he's been there ever since. You know, and NXT had some really great matches. I mean, WWE, it's it's hard to remember the last one, and he he's a guy I think that could benefit from new scenery, and you know, a lot of guys he's familiar with from his work in Japan over on the other side. So, what do you think about Ricochet jumping to AEW? I'm a Trevor Man stan. <laughs> so I think the change of scenery would be welcome for him too. I mean, he is WWE Spider-Man, so I think mm-hmm. he has his own niche there, but he's never going to climb any higher in that pantheon. So the fresh matchups are there. He could reincarnate a match as a one-off with Will Ospreay and just watch them flip to death. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think that would be fun. I, I'm seeing in the corner here, it's like a Sammy Guevara. Uh, yeah. You could, oh, oh, give me Ricochet versus El Ijo Del Vikingo in just some random oh, yeah. match on a pay-per-view. You don't even need a story for that. For for me, to no pun intended, flip my lid and watch that. So, see, yeah. See, this right here, this is why this kind of movement's so exciting. Ricochet's a guy, have you hardly thought of the guy for months? He's an ultra-talented guy under contract, you know, and I, I don't know how many months it's been since so I've even really thought about watching his matches. And But, you know, moving over there and having some of those fresh matches or the rekindled matches, that gets me excited. So that's what you should want out of your pro wrestling. And I think I think he'd be a great one to move. If, if I were him, I'm looking at, like, if they're going to pay me similar money, he's still young. He, he ain't going nowhere. You know, he ain't going up that card, as you said. So why not? Why not take a swing on the other side? So I I, I would like that move. He signed with WWE at a, at a time when there was no AEW. didn't have the option. 
he's the kind of guy who would have matched up if he had waited another couple of years and that Lucha Underground contract was a little bit longer. He, you know, held him hostage all those years and he couldn't sign with WWE. He would have been like, I think, a day one AEW guy if he was unsigned at that point in time. I have a soft spot in my heart for that 2018 inaugural North American title ladder match because within the first 75 seconds of the match, Ricochet runs, jumps on the top rope without getting to the turnbuckle and does a shooting star press to the outside. The crowd goes bonkers and I go, yeah, this guy is going to be on the main roster really soon. They don't have anyone like him. How are they going to treat him moving forward and Boy, was I wrong. I know. I I remember Kyle and I on this podcast went back and forth uh, when him and Riddle got signed. And Kyle was like dead set Riddle was going to be a top guy in WWE. And that you, he said on the pod you could build the company around him. Because Riddle was one of those guys that took to wrestling so quickly. And I said at the time, I'd, yeah, I liked them both. But I said I'd rather have Ricochet, to be honest with you. Like he, he seemed more special to me and unique. And... Uh, Boy, again, I was wrong too. <laughs> they have not done too much to. I I was laughing when you were talking because I saw this chat from Zeus down the corner. He said, "Bruh, just give Cornetta coronary." <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That was Get good. Zeus on the pod right now. <laughs> I think Zeus called in back when we were doing the Spotify green room shows, maybe at least once. But that's been a few years ago. Um, yeah, and that other name we didn't mention is the one that's out there right now is, is Drew McIntyre. I think you know. They'd be foolish to let this guy get away. He's he's the best thing right now on Raw. If they let Drew McIntyre get away, that would be so foolish. He's he's doing such good work right now. I don't imagine they'll let him get away. Um, I would I wouldn't mind seeing it. Although the the character shift to WWE is to the point now where like I don't feel like he's been there a while, but I don't feel as though he's worn out his welcome or that there's nothing to do for him. He's one of those where like if he jumped, it would make an impact. But I don't think he. I don't think he's out of things to do in WWE. I think he could continue on there. I think if you ever want him back in the world title picture, the ti- one of those major titles is going to have to go back on a face or you flip him face. But we're really starting to see that his best work is his heel. So yeah. let's hope that that continues. And I get a little skeptic, skeptical of him moving to AEW only because... Big men really don't flourish there. No, they don't. I think that's going to come up on the other side here <laughs> because let's just go to it. AEW to WWE moves. Uh, I put them right on the thumbnail for the show on YouTube. But for me, like Wardlow is the one that stands out right away. I just I don't imagine Wardlow ever getting as hot as he was in that MJF feud ever again. I just don't see it. And I, I've said this many. It's nothing personal. I've said this many times on the pod as they've continued to build to him and Max doing something with these promos backstage. And I've kind of joked, like, who really wants to see that? He just doesn't seem like he's deserving of a world title match. I think the squash match stuff that they do with him is the right way, you would think, to build him back up. He's just, like, just not that captivating in that roster right now. It's just, I, I don't see it happening. I mean, the, the stuff they did with Max was built up so well for so many years that I don't see a, a slow burn like that again in, in his future. But I do think that a big guy like that in the WWE could flourish and that they would do a good job booking him. So he was like the first name that came to my mind. Jesse, what about you? 
We definitely agree. I'm tapping into my PWG brain because a lot of the AEW performers from 2019 came from there. And the only one that had a lot of six, there were two actually that had a lot of success there. One is Walter mm-hmm. Gunther now in the WWE. And then very similar to the Ward Low mold where they're big and they can move. The other one is Keith Lee. I know he's a little older now, but Hunter has always loved him. Mm-hmm. And he's definitely in the back burner of that roster right now. So I think that would be my probably my number two move. You Now you have, you could put him on the babyface side and actually have him stare down the likes of Gunther, Drew McIntyre, and Roman Reigns build some programs around that. You could have him reignite a feud with Randy Orton, who he beat on his first main roster match. So, yes, Wardlow, I think, would be a tremendous move. Keith Lee would probably be my number two. Okay. Yeah, I I also consider Powerhouse Hobbs in this mix, too. Another guy who they, they've done an okay job with him, but, like, he should be bigger than he is. He really should. And so he's another guy I could see flourishing in WWE. Uh, for sure. I, I also looked at the women's division a little bit here, and there's quite a few, actually, which is odd because, you know, everyone's always very down on the AEW women's division. I think it's picked up in recent months. With that said, though, I feel like there's some names there who are kind of stale that could really be interesting in WWE. And number one is Britt Baker. We haven't seen her much. I've heard there's some drama behind the scenes. And maybe she could benefit from from a change of scenery. I think, I mean, she would do very well in, in WWE. Um, I, I looked at her. I also thought Sheeta is another one who, like, Sheeta's very good. Um, but she just kind of feels stale to me now in that company. I don't know. I, I think that she could, she could flourish in WWE. And another one who, I mean, we haven't seen in a long time is Thunder Rosa. I think that she would be interesting in the WWE. You know, there's been some behind-the-scenes stuff with her as well, but uh, I guess if you get into the the punk stuff, where everyone thinks that they're going to be able to keep punk cool and under wraps, I mean, maybe Thunder Rosa, that would be a good thing for her to move over there as well. Yeah, I, I think you hit the top probably three names. I think the other one that I would not mind seeing move over there and her skill set would translate well would be Chris Statlander. I had her on my list too. Um, then I took her off because just I felt like she's still contributing and, and doing interesting stuff. But I could, I could see that. And just as far as a performer, how she looks, how she works, she fits the WWE mold very well. Yeah, they do just a much better job over there than AEW does with the women's division. So mm-hmm. almost anyone could leave there, except for I think the ones who moved over there like the Soraya's and the Ruby Soho's I would not want them moving back because why would they even in their minds take a step backwards mm-hmm. go back to, to where that they weren't accepted and it's a completely different WWE now where that women's roster is deep they have they're really high end on the talent but there's a lot in NXT because you have Tiffany Stratton those likes so the Roxanne Perez's of the world. I'm actually surprised she signed with NXT because she was a former Ring of Honor champion. She could have moved on over to AEW. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, 
If there's any other guys on this, well, I do have a couple that are under the radar. If you wanted to try, uh, gosh, every time, soft spot in my heart. Santana and Ortiz, move them over as a tag team over to WWE. Try to kickstart that division. That would be helpful too. Here's one I had, and I think Justin would probably agree just based on what he said on the pod recently about him. Penta and Phoenix. Those are, I mean, two guys who they've been around basically the whole run with AEW. They're awesome. But also, like Justin said on the pod recently, that when they have matches, he's just not as invested because we've seen them so much that, you know, we WWE has always done a pretty good job uh, with the Lucha guys over the years. And I feel like that they could flourish there and it would be a good change of scenery. Fresh matchups. You know, they've done just about anything you know, we were talking about their match with the Bucks, I think, when Justin made the comment. It's just like, God, we've seen this match so many times that I don't even care anymore, even though these guys are great. And so you know, send them over there, and you got all of a sudden you got these fresh matches that they could do. Obviously, the Street Profits would be a great one. Um, but I mean, even the legacy guys like the New Day, I mean, it'd just be something new and fresh to seeing them, to seeing them do. So I, I had them on my list. That's a great list. I have another tag team, and then I have a singles act. The singles act that just signed there not long ago that actually that was rumored to maybe even be going there, Jay White. Yeah, I was thinking him too. I wouldn't mind it. I think they'd be a, another great heel over there because just how bloated that roster is. I, mm. I don't know where he, he fits in. And this doesn't go without saying as well because i think this tag team fits in both promotions but what about the acclaimed in the wwe i thought about them it would probably work because they have the personality there's all there's always that thing with i guess they're not technically pg anymore but how much would they let caster push push things on the mic you know because that's part of their appeal and so that part kind of swayed me a little bit, but I, I do think that they would thrive. Now it's, it's interesting because Bowens is a guy who tried out down there and they thought they signed and then clerical error, they didn't get the contract to him. So like they could have had him at one point in time, uh, you know, the real workhorse of the team, but yeah, I, I think they, it would definitely translate. I feel like there's more for them here at this moment in time, yes. but down the road, I would not mind seeing them make that jump. Max could easily come up with compelling PG content that would go over huge with that audience. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. He's good yeah. enough at it that he could, he could make it work, I think. Absolutely. I'm actually going to flip back to the other side real quick because call mm-hmm. me nuts, but give me the Usos in AEW. <laughs> you mean main event Jay Uso would get some wins finally? <laughs> Took another L the other night. <laughs> He wouldn't have to wrestle singles anymore. He could just be, (laughs) they could just throw that tag team division right at you every single week like they used to do. I think that'd be a lot of fun. It's one of those things that if you listen to TRN Unplugged on the Patreon side, (laughs) Jesse's show, you will hear him week after week talking about main event Jey Uso and how long it's been since this guy has actually won a match, a singles match. It's unbelievable. He's still getting the crowd reactions, though. Yes, but I mean, they're again, though, like the baby face thing. They don't get behind them enough. They don't give them the wins that where you just like you can't. Curtis, Yeet, you Yeet's back, y'all. <laughs> that was his big moment on Raw that Yeet was back, and then he took the L again. I mean, 
I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know how they don't give these guys some wins and then they'll just randomly heat them up out of nowhere for a world title match and you can't possibly buy it's going to happen. And yeah, I I wouldn't mind seeing it like from a tag team perspective. I'm still curious if Jay is ever going to get a real singles push and beyond what they're doing now. I think he's shown that he's capable, but they haven't gone in. So that makes me question if that will ever, ever be in the cards. He does move merch, though. Back to the crowds and how they don't react to anything in the ring. They love his arm waves and they love the yeet. That yes, is as far as it goes. It They don't. <laughs> this is my kayfabe brain. And you might as well nickname me kayfabe at this point. It, it <laughs> Wins and losses matter to me. Character matters to me too, as it should. But I'm, I, I feel like we're all well-versed pro wrestling fans here in this group and on this pod. So characters matter, but wins and losses have to matter too. We pay attention to that stuff, but that audience doesn't. It's like how many times can you watch a guy or a woman get pinned by anyone and still continue to have sympathy for them because they have a cool catchphrase or they can do just something that'll get you to react, but then you just know they're going to turn around and they'll lose to, let's just throw a random name out there, Otis. (laughs) Yeah. Not logical, Jesse. Not logical. Not good. (laughs) You know, the only other ones I had on my list, so I kind of considered Sammy Guevara, now, obviously, his wife, that didn't end well in WWE. That would be maybe an issue. Um, and then I, But then I also think with Sammy, just, he would probably just slot in in the ricochet spot. I don't know that he would ever climb up the card there. And then the other one was, and this is another one where at least the sig- they're not married, but the significant other would complicate things right now, was, was on the women's side with Anna Jay. I just, I don't know, man. I don't... <laughs> She's athletic and has potential. They don't work a lot in AEW. And this was like the problem we brought up with Jade Cargill is that she wasn't improving because she doesn't work enough matches. And we all said WWE was the right move for her because she would get to work more, be at the Performance Center, and probably do NXT. Now, she hasn't done a lot of matches yet, but, you know, it's the opportunity is at least there. And I think with Anna Jay, they would allow her... It would be, it would be helpful for her improvement, I think. I think this... The stuff they've done with her character has not helped. It's been very bad. She doesn't fit that role at all. And they haven't pivoted away, really, which has been surprising. But I don't want the boyfriend coming. And I think old Phil doesn't want him coming either. So that's going to complicate it. She has a unique look. She's a much better face than a heel. That obviously has failed, I think, for the last year. And uh, Curtis, by the way, we're going to be getting to stuff like that in about a month. I thought about Preston Vance, yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree I, with him on like the WWE look yeah, stuff. We we definitely agree. Like sit tight because next month we're gonna actually get into trades. Yeah, so we'll just tell you guys this is this show, this whole idea was Jesse's idea, and he came up with a idea where we would pitch equal trades back and forth. So it's gonna require a little more thought. This is more of a like a free-flowing discussion, but we wanted Justin to be on that show. So we will do that in the future. We have a lot on the deck you know we've got um next week we got classics and we're going to be doing uh maybe a preview for world's end definitely a review of world's end we got that coming up we're going to have to talk about iron claw when we all get to see that that's probably going to be almost a whole show too 
So, I mean, this will probably be mid-January, maybe about a, about a month from now. But we we are planning on revisiting the topic with legit trades that would fit and be equal between the promotions. Yes. So I'm going to exactly, throw my... Zeus. Almost like a fantasy draft. Yeah. Yep. I'm going to throw my, my joke trade out there right now just to get it out of the way because I've had it in mind. I'm so prepared to throw Jungle Boy and the Young Bucks over to the WWE for CM Punk and Pretty Deadly. <laughs> yes. That's an equal trade. And I'll That's give you equal. I'll give you logic why. Right. You have the Young Bucks. They're a very experienced tag team. You have mm-hmm. CM Punk, who's in who's an experienced veteran. And oh, the, the three people he hates the most are going over to the promotion he's getting traded for. <laughs> so you get these up and comers like pretty deadly who are pretty unknown, where you could almost trade Jungle Boy and Young Bucks for CM Punk straight up. So throw in pretty deadly. They might have something. That, to me, is an equal trade. There you go. <laughs> I like it. Very nice. Yeah, more more where that is coming from in mid-January. Uh, I don't know, man. That that pretty much wraps up the, the topics at hand, I think. Uh, what do you think? Anything else? Cash considerations. I don't really have much more because let, if I were to go driving right now, I'd get pulled over. I had a buzz going on, folks. <laughs> You love to hear it. It wouldn't be top rope nation without it. Uh, yeah, man, I hope I haven't heard from Justin. I hope he's doing okay. Maybe he's listening out there somewhere. Who knows? But Justin will be back for sure for classics. I hope I am not like super under the weather and sounding horribly stuffy when we do that show. Cause I'm looking forward to it, man. If, if you guys are not patrons, you got to join. I mean, we're going to be doing this world-class show next week. Retro show the same week Iron Claw comes out. It's working out perfectly. We'll get you pumped to see the movie. We'll give you some backstories on on some of the most famous Von Erichs matches here. Uh, Jesse, I'm really looking forward to it on Tuesday night. Again, to to play this up for the audience, seven day free trial. You get Kerry Von Erich versus Ric Flair in a steel cage. I'll give you a very small backdrop. This is considered to be one of the greatest angles in the history of professional wrestling because Michael Hayes and the Freebirds were just coming into the promotion. Michael Hayes and Terry Gordy had just teamed with David Von Erich that night before this match took place. (laughs) If you don't know the history, I won't spoil the rest, but it sparked what was arguably the greatest world-class year they ever had in 1983. Because you had the Von Eriks and the Freebirds just brawling back and forth for the full year, and it'll probably come up in Iron Claw. Go back to November of 2022 for Kyle and Ryan's world class Star Wars take in Thanksgiving, and they'll give you some, give you, get you up to speed on that uh, that promotion at that time. Yeah, yeah. The show Kyle and I did, we, yeah, we did, did a whole backstory on world class about all the brothers and everything. But yeah, this will be and the earlier show that kind of set the table for all of that. And it's going to be, a, as I said, it's a ton of fun. Usually those shows there, there, we do them video just like we do our weekly show. Um, but then I post a audio podcast. It's got a lot of bonus audio thrown in and there. I think they're a great listen. I, I believe so. I think people enjoy them, Jesse. Uh, but the, the live show when we record, Tuesday nights for classics are, I mean, I think they're always my favorite show we do every single month. They're the loosest shows. Usually the booze is flowing on those shows. They're a lot of fun. And so you can join us for those by joining the Patreon page. The link here 
in the description best way to support the show. And as I said at the top, you also get TRN Unplugged from Jesse, multiple episodes of that per month, one classics per month, TRN Extra dropping once in a while as well. The full archive of all of our bonus shows, which is like over 120 shows right now. Jesse, that is more podcast episodes than most regular shows do, period. And it's just our bonus feed. I mean, that's what you're getting for the five bucks. You get a free sticker in the mail when you join. Uh, and there's other tiers too. There's a That's just for five bucks. There's a $10 tier uh, where we're doing these uh, Zoom hangouts where we're going to watch classic wrestling. We got another one of those coming up before Christmas. We got to get that on the calendar. We've, we've been talking about that off air, but we'll be doing that very soon as well. There's t-shirt giveaways, merch giveaways on those higher tiers. So you can read all about it on the Patreon page. But, you know, it is the holiday season. If you don't have the five bucks a month to support us, support us for free by subscribing to the YouTube channel. I have been very active in putting up YouTube shorts lately. Every single day since our last episode, uh, we've been putting those up. They're also going out on our TikTok page, Instagram, Facebook Reels, everywhere I can post them. So people are seeing a lot of Top Rope Nation coming across their feeds right now. And we got plenty of big stuff planned for the new year as well. Get on board. Tell a friend. The easiest way for us to grow as a podcast is through word of mouth. Ads don't really work. I've tried it before. I've spent money on it. It's not great. The best way that we have expanded is just telling a friend that this is a good wrestling podcast because they'll trust you and then they get hooked. I would say our our most dedicated listeners heard about the show from someone they knew who was already listening. And we have a pretty, we have a large audience, but it's a tight knit group. And we have these discussions going in the Facebook group all the time top rope nation pro wrestling discussion you can search that on facebook just a great great group of people a lot of them we brought onto the show either here on the main feed or on behind the patreon wall like uh jesse you have michael jenkinson on we met just because he was a listener of the show and this guy is a great mind for the industry knows a ton about the royal rumble i'm sure we'll be having him on again he's he's done a royal rumble history show with us here on the main feed before we've had some of our patrons on the main feed like carla longhan Liam O'Rourke, noted author, Liam O'Rourke, most famous author from the UK since William Shakespeare, of course, as Kyle used to say, (laughs) (laughs) you know, we, 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 this podcast is so good, Jesse, I'm not trying to get too sentimental on you, but it's a holiday season. The thing that makes it so good is like, I have met so many wonderful people doing this show that I would have never known. And I feel I told you and Justin this one time off air. It feels like Top Rope Nation has like connected a lot of people. Frank Pettiani, he's another one, you know, uh, that we met Frank and he's met a lot of people in our Facebook group. He's been on the show many times. He gets in there with Michael Jenkinson. They're good friends now. And there's like a whole legion of people who are friends because of this show. And I think when I started it back in 2016, I could have never really imagined that happening. <laughs> you know, I had this idea to do a podcast. And now there's just so many people out there that connected through it. And I hope we can keep doing it for a long time. And the best way to ensure we are is by becoming a patron, getting more involved, connecting with us, and you get that bonus content. And Jesse, I would have never known you without this podcast. That's a fact. I know. I sent him in a last podcast. I don't know if I can do it twice. (laughs) I brought in Brian Koval, who is also a very active member in there. And then arguably one of our most active members recently, Greg Coleman. Yeah, yeah. 
brought Greg's him a great in. guy too. I want to get him on the pod. He, I heard him. Yeah. I think I heard him on your old show before you joined the pod. And then we got Greg to, to join and like, he, he's been on your show and I'm sure he'll be on TRN at some point too. He was my very last episode before moving to the Patreon side. And I met him through Kel Dansby and Andreas Hale of Corner Fame, Blue Wire Fame, where this podcast once was. Kel and Andreas will be on the Patreon side on episode 150. I will guarantee that. So listen for that episode when that comes down the pipeline, probably in the spring. But yeah, there's just so many people that I would love to bring back from my old show and on to the Patreon side of things and maybe even get them in a guest role here because this community has been so strong and so supportive. I joined it, I think, in the fall of 2021, and it's it's like family. There is zero arguments here. And when you're missing a family member like Justin Joint this evening, we we have to up our game here, Ryan. And I feel like we <laughs> did it tonight just because, yeah. again, we, we were missing the subtle little shots that Justin was going to throw <laughs> as well as the expertise that he brings on a podcast uh, weekly basis here too. 100%. Couldn't have said it better. Yeah, 100%. I see Curtis in the chat here. My, never too early to book your trip to Calgary. I would love to go to Calgary. Hopefully we can meet up sometime. That would be fun. I'd love to go to a show at the Saddle Dome. Um, you mentioned Brian, you know, had a chance to meet him yeah. in Chicago. That was totally through the pod. And, you know, Andrew Zarian, I mentioned him earlier in the show, good friend of mine. I mean, his show, Matman, was one of the reasons I started doing this pod. And I met Derek Chappelle through that show. And he's been on here many times, met up with him in Memphis. It is like this is an extended family, you guys. And uh, it means a lot to all of us that you support what we're doing and uh, continue to spread the word about Top Rope Nation. So thank you to all of you who've done that. Gary Gonzalez, no longer on Facebook. Now you can find him on Twitter and Wrestling Observer News. We we definitely want to give him a shout out. And yeah, yeah, because he he's helped me in a lot in my growth, which some of you may not know. We were under the Blue Wire Hustle umbrella together, and when we left, he was one of the first people to reach out to me and say, "Hey, where are you going? All right, here's come into the Fight Game Media Facebook group and just make friends and just know people. So I've had people from that, from those shows on my show as well. And then I didn't know that two of you were connected at some point in time. We met it all out in 2022 for the first time, Garrett and myself. So that was really cool. Yeah, Jeremy Feinstone, another guy. Um, I mean, I, I don't want to leave out anyone. I'm just, things that are coming to my mind. Car, Carlo Longhorn has been on the show many times over in the UK. Um, met Ben Cruz. And uh, Jeremy Loss, who I do the Bleacher Report shows with through Blue Wire and doing the podcast as well. So, like, that's the whole web of this connection here in the wrestling podcasting industry as well. So, I'm sure it's not over. I'm sure there's many more people out there that we haven't met through the pod that we will. And I'm looking forward to it in 2024. Jesse. One more shout out real quick because he made the prediction that Seth Rollins would be joining AEW at some point in 2023. He's only a few months late. Brian Zillum, PW yes. Torch fame. Yeah. He's been a regular caller into your show and he's been on my show twice. Yeah, he's a he's an interesting person. He's got a really he's got a pretty in-tuned mind 
as well, even if sometimes his opinions don't match with ours. But that's the greatest thing I feel about pro wrestling is that at the end of the day, especially in our group, we're not horribly judgmental unless your takes mm-hmm. are way out in left field. <laughs> if they're within a reasonable, just within a, a reasonable <laughs> mindset, I feel that, yes, you will definitely get along with us. So, I, Brian, I, I like shout to out think to you, I'm too. A- I'd like to think I'm a pretty nice person, but there has been a couple of posts over the years in our Facebook group where I've texted you and Justin. I'm like, I got to walk away or I might say something mean, <laughs> but overall we're, we're, we're a welcoming group. And yeah, Brian Zillum met up with at double or nothing when we did the top rope nation meetup in Vegas. So, I mean, again, great guy that I got to meet up with in person at a wrestling show and hopefully we can do some more TRN meetups as well you know we mentioned sean skelton at the top of the show chicago this year we did the trn meetup but we had a pretty good size one the jenkinsons were there david and michael in vegas that one that brian zillum was at as well and so that's on my radar i'd kind of like to do double or nothing again vegas was a lot of fun we'll see as may gets closer we'll see what happens i think that's the one i think greensboro is going to fall apart I know. I I really want to do it, but there's the financial issues being so close to the holidays, and we'll see. I, I'm considering it still, but double or nothing I've been talking about since last year. I had so much FOMO when some of my friends were out there, like Frank was there, and I was like, man, I wish I would have gone because 2022 was so much fun. So I, I got that on the radar. We'll see. We'll see. Guys, follow us on social media at Top Rope Nation. We are on threads, becoming more active on threads now. Uh, Once again, we are on Twitter X, Instagram. I mentioned uh, we are on TikTok. Top Rope Nation Wrestling is the username on there. The Facebook group, of course, and subscribe on YouTube. Totally free. And if you want to fund us, patreon.com slash Top Rope Nation. Jesse, always a pleasure, my friend. Ryan, what an awesome show. Thank you for being our guiding host on this wonderful voyage this evening thank you for joining me hopefully it wasn't too bumpy along the way (laughs) we'll see you guys next time this has been episode 321 of top rope nation take care black quinn 2024